Hello everyone, welcome to episode 602 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. This season we're chatting with the performers of the Cold Wave 6 Festival in Chicago, September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. Featured acts at Metro will include Stabbing Westward, Cold Cave, Front 242, Severed Heads, KMFDM, Ogre, and more. While downstairs at Smart Bar, you'll find The Gossicles, Curse Mackey, Bombardier, and End User. For the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week we're chatting with Friday Metro openers Garrett Vernon, Justin DeLay, and Jordan DeLay. This is Replicant. I'm Garrett Vernon. I uh, I sing, I play guitar, and some synthesizer as well. 
Uh, I'm Justin. I play synth and uh, do the, most of the production. And I'm Jordan, and I play bass in the band. It looks like, according to Facebook at least, that you guys are close to celebrating your fifth anniversary. So take me back to the beginnings of forming the band and finding your sound. Uh, so we started about five years ago, 2012. Uh, we were actually a five-piece uh, from the get-go. We had a drummer, and a, we kind of all shuffled instruments a little bit. Um, but then our drummer ended up moving to Hawaii, so we decided to downsize and kind of figure out how to do things a little bit more electronically. Um, and that kind of helped us, you know, actually helped Justin kind of learn how to produce music, which was kind of nice. We kind of taught ourselves and kind of just went from there. Sonically, we kind of started out being a little bit more post-punky, naturally, when you have a drummer. But then we switched over to a drum machine, and that kind of evolved our sound. Now we're, now we're where we are now. Tell me about being part of the, the Chicago electronic and industrial scene. We all had like rec- relatively recently moved to Chicago, not having a ton of connections here, not really knowing a ton of people. So we kind of had to start off kind of setting up our own shows, just kind of reaching out to bars to, to book our own night and then kind of have to find like-minded bands that we kind of dug on, you know, whether it was through Facebook or, or Bandcamp or whatever to play with us. So we did that for a little while. And then once we finally started releasing some material, that allowed us to really start opening for touring bands kind of as they came through Chicago. So bands like, you know, we opened for Youth Code, uh, The Soft Moon, Lust for Youth, Cold Showers, The Frozen Autumn, Hosiko, College. So it's it's kind of interesting because the gamut of different kind of genres of artists that we would open for kind of changed. And it was kind of some were more industrial, some were a little bit more dark wave, some were more cold wave. And it, it was kind of nice to kind of expose ourselves to that many different kind of audiences that all kind of could find something that they liked in our music. Um, so we did that for a few years, you know, with, a, you know, some, some DIY shows and stuff in between. And then the past year or so, we've kind of definitely focused a little bit more on um, on our new record. So we kind of exiled ourselves a little bit. But we did recently play at uh, Thalia Hall in, uh, in March with Carpenter Brute and Magic Sword. And that was a pretty amazing venue to play. And yeah, I mean, we're pretty excited to next play the Metro. Um, it's been a place that we've been going to see other cold waves and other shows for, for a while now. So it's exciting to, uh, to finally be able to play there. Have you seen video of us play live? No, I, I've seen a couple of video clips on the Facebook page, but I was purposely not clicking on them. Cause sometimes I feel like depending on the, the, the quality, I feel like it, it ruins the, the specialness of seeing someone live. I could see from one of the screen caps or whatever that it looked like you had your logo in the backdrop and there was some cool lighting set up. We've always had this real DIY aesthetic. So like we built just like boxes, like wood boxes, with like light bulbs in them. And then, you know, got this neon sign made. Like that's a cool part of what we're about. What Replicant is about is sort of just building whatever you can with whatever you got and trying to make something cool out of it. So yeah, for, our, that, for our last show at Thalia Hall, we ended up buying and building a neon sign, which was sounded like an amazing idea, but then, once it once we went to go pick it up, we were like, "Oh my god, this thing is massive!" And it ended up being worth it, definitely. But uh, it's too good to be true. We just yeah, <laughs> we're super into like the technical aspects of it, you know, building the stuff. We got this crazy plexiglass wood combination that we can put on a mount on a speaker stand. <laughs> and just kind of like we're talking about Chicago. I mean, Chicago is such a great city, and and like there has been this kind of like re, you know, this like evolution or this kind of almost like almost like kick back to the 80s in some cases. So um, not only some of the bands that are playing, but this neon sign. Like we, so we found a guy who's been making neon in Chicago since the early 80s and, you know, kind of reached out <laughs> yeah. to him and, and, you know, and he ended up making this, you know, pretty awesome, pretty massive 
uh, neon sign for us for our stage show. And again, it just kind of almost, almost kind of highlights like what, what we, you know, what we're trying to do here, not only in Chicago, but as a band. Looking at your, your logo and, and your cover art, it looks like you guys are straight out of, I don't know, early, mid 80s. It looks like you guys would be perfect as the soundtrack to some sort of dystopian novel or, or movie or something like that. Is that the vibe you guys are going for? Yeah, I guess it's working. Um, that's a good sign always. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely, ref, you know, obviously our name kind of references that dystopian 80s kind of genre. Um, and we figured nowadays, especially within the past couple months, it feels more and more like a dystopia than ever, I guess. So it kind of, kind of plays out nicely. What sort of uh, movies or novels are you, are you guys inspired by? I mean, obviously, Blade Runner, um, Mad Max. We have a song called Toe Cutter based on the first Mad Max, obviously. Um, John Carpenter, musically and, and uh, as a filmmaker. I mean, musically, we kind, of, we kind of go from John Carpenter to Madonna to Sade. Kind of any, anything that we get, gather influence from, we kind of uh, find some sort of idea and then kind of try to blend it all together in an interesting way. I think we try to, you know, incorporate kind of some more punishing industrial uh, like rhythms and stuff that we always try to have kind of a more seductive 80s-esque synth hook uh, of some sort. Um, and then, you know, once we bring in guitar, it's a whole other story as well. So we're kind of gathering influences from, from all over, you know, John Carpenter, Nine Inch Nails, Clan of Zymox, Sisters of Mercy, kind of trying to, trying to create something new out of something that, that definitely uh, exists.
it looks from your Bandcamp page that you guys have all your tracks available for free. So I'm always intrigued by how, how a band chooses to try and get paid for the art that they put out. Are you of the opinion that if you put out the music for free, then you make the money, you know, at your shows and of the merchandise? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we, we just want as many people to hear it as possible. Um, we, we, you know, we don't, we, because we do it all ourselves, uh, we kind of just put our product, you know, put our production hats on, work it out, and just figure releasing it for free, more people will be able to download it, listen to it, share it with their friends. Um, that's kind of our goal. You know, once once we finish this uh, kind of dual release we're doing, we'll obviously hoping hoping to pl- press it on vinyl. Um, obviously, we'll have to charge for that because that'll you know require some costs on our end as well. But um, generally, we we love having our music up for free and anybody able to download it that wants to. We are planning on probably going back and, and kind of um, re-releasing some of some of that old material. Maybe maybe we'll go back and kind of re-record it using our some of our newer production techniques, but. Uh, we will we will hopefully eventually have uh, physical copies for all of our all of our music, but as of now, it's pretty much just digital. Are you looking to work with someone to put that out, or are you guys uh, doing this on your own? I mean, we're definitely open. Uh, currently, we're plan- kind of just planning on going forward as our own, but obviously, if somebody if somebody comes along, we're definitely open. And this is Jordan, and to kind of go off that, like um, Justin had mentioned. You know, a lot of this kind of started out as that kind of DIY, you know, we all kind of grew up playing music, you know, been in and out of bands for, for a long time. And when, when this kind of came together, um, we really kind of just prided ourselves on kind of, you know, building from the ground up, not only the music itself, but also all of the um, recording, all of the production, all of the, the, the lights and the stage show. So um, we really kind of focused on keeping it in-house to kind of keep control of it and kind of, you know, kind of do something that we were proud of as a, as a kind of, you know, unit. Um, but, you know, moving forward, of course, we're always looking for new opportunities and a new era of, of, you know, kind of people listening to it, but also working with us on it. And, um, you know, we're always trying to kind of expand our, ourselves out there. But again, we, you know, we kind of started that DIY, but, you know, and it's kind of worked well so far, but we're always interested in kind of getting out there more. You know, Justin works at a music company. I work in advertising, so we kind of try to take those skills that we learn in our day job and are able to kind of creatively use those skills for something as kind of an output on on that end as well. So we do our own graphics, our own videos, all of our own design and stuff. Like our our live show is is just as big for us as as the recording itself. We kind of try try to make an experience for the audience, not just sonically, but also visually. I think we're all kind of... Um, you know, reaching this this point where we're able to play awesome festivals like Cold Waves, um, you know, maybe doing some some minor light touring this summer before Cold Waves, and then you know, releasing our our dual EP and seeing where it goes from there. I don't think any of us necessarily know where it's going to go from there. I think we'll all continue to write music for as long as we can continue to write music. But right now, we're just doing it because we love doing it, and that's kind of the most important thing to us.
On this episode, you heard Drifter, Widowers, and Ultraviolet. Replicant can be found at facebook.com slash replicantmusic. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with links found in the show notes. Join us next week as we chat with Brian Graupner from The Gossicles. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician, and sound man Jamie Duffy. Here's Jason Novak remembering some early DJ AccuCrack tours with Jamie. You know, our old booking agent, uh, he's booking this SeaTac. And the booking agent would like to know if Jamie and I would like to go out and ride in the van with them and, and be AccuCrack, get paid to open as well as run lights and run a, writing, a lighting rig for them. So we're like, hell yeah. And that was so much fun. That was in the freezing cold winter, February of 98. And, uh, I mean, again, like, Jamie and I didn't really have anything to prove. We just thought this was fun, and we were getting paid, and we were out with the singer of Front 242. Two months later, Cubanate says, we want to go out on tour now. Fuck that. You know, C-Tech went so great, Cubanate can only be better, right? But I don't know what it was, whether it was just the, the, the place and time for these guys. The C-Tech tour maybe worked out. Jean-Luc was there. They all stayed in line. But by the time it was just them and Cubanate and their own tour, uh, I, it, I, no, it was not a disaster. I mean, there were fun shows, but they, those guys were loose, man. They were off. There was a lot of partying. Some of those shows would end in just utter nonsensical moments there were we you know a couple members would go missing i mean it was all in good fun but it was definitely like the, the control of the c-tech tour and the i mean we brought out we had to build these things for the c-tech tour they that these giant wooden platforms that would come out on the sides and jamie and i had to build that shit every night and we're like man nobody said anything about these fucking platforms and about three-fourths of the way through that tour towards the end we're in uh san antonio texas and we're on stage and we're getting ready to sound check, and Mark Heal, the singer of Cubanet, comes storming into that club. He's like, you fucking motherfuck, son of a bitch, pussy, god fucking asshole. Every name in the book, and Jamie and I are like, oh shit, what did we do, you know? And he says, you motherfuckers got the curve to her. So we get back in the, in the van, and, and Jay, we, we call home, we call the label, and we tell him what's up. And with, by the next night, we've quietly... Got all of our gear put to the side, and we've we've uh, uh, got a couple air, airplane tickets booked, and we're like, guys, enjoy the rest of the tour. We gotta go home.